I'm Dr. Vanessa Sinclair, a psychoanalyst and artist based in Sweden who works with people internationally, and this is episode 230 of Rendering Unconscious Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Sabina Stent, a freelance writer and speaker specializing in women's surrealists and visual culture. Join us on Sunday, February 19th, as Dr. Sabina Stent will be presenting The Bloody Countess, Valentine Penrose, Erzbeth Bathory, and Sanguinous Surrealism, a live online lecture hosted by Morbid Anatomy Museum. You can visit morbidanatomy.org or psychartcult.org for tickets and more information. The event will be at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, New York City, which is also 7 p.m. UK and 8 p.m. here in Sweden. In 1962, Valentine Penrose, the French-born surrealist poet, author, and collagist, wrote her seminal historical novel, biography, The Bloody Countess, The Atrocities of Elizabeth Bathory. Bathory was a 16th century Hungarian noblewoman and serial killer who believed the key to everlasting youth and beauty was to bathe in the blood of attractive young women. Due to her notorious bloodthirst, she is sometimes referred to as the female Vlad the Impaler. In his book, The Tears of Eros, Bataille writes, Desaad did not know of Erzbeth Bathory's existence, but doubtless her atrocities would have roused his most vicious excitement. Writing the book allowed Penrose to utilize and exercise her interest and knowledge of the occult. Penrose, who wrote who possessed a deep and unwavering interest in the arcane, liked to think of herself as a witch, while references to mysticism and alchemy infused the lyrical verses of her poetry. This talk will look at Penrose, Bathory's bloodlust via the Bloody Countess, and thematic associations of blood in art by other women surrealists. So we'll see you this Sunday February 19th at Morbid Anatomy. Rendering Unconscious Podcast has just celebrated five years, so I'd like to take a moment to thank all of my guests, listeners, and our Patreon community. Thank you so much. I wouldn't be here without you. You can support the podcast at our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Vanessa23Carl. Your support is so very appreciated. Thank you so much for supporting Rendering Unconscious Podcast and all of my other creative endeavors. So Sabina, thank you so much for being here. No, it's such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course. I want to hear all about how you got into what you got into because you have such a great niche. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. Um, I was always very interested in surrealism. Um, I never really studied art 
per se at school or anything like that. But I always loved surrealism and I loved Salvador Dali and I loved Man Ray. And um, I've had like a really non-linear <laughs> career. I I wasn't academic at school. I was kind of told I wasn't very smart. I was told um, I wasn't university material because I wasn't, I didn't fit into the schooled mold, if, if that makes sense. And so I, I did like some sort of work. I did work in various places after the, after school and I didn't enjoy that at all. So um through various things, I did a HND and a BA in media and comms and took another year out <laughs> to work. And then I did an MA and I did an MA in modern European cultures, which I loved that. And on my first day, my very first day, my supervisor, who's awesome, um, said, do you have you thought about a PhD? And I was like, what? <laughs> what? You know, it's my first day of an MA. I've always been told I'm, I'm not especially academic. I never would have been asked this question 10 years or whatever ago. And he said, is there anything you're, you're interested in? I said, well, I, I was thinking about it. And I thought, but well, I really enjoy surrealism. And I happened to be reading a book at the time. And... um it mentioned like this runaway sentence, like women surrealists. And there was nothing in the book about women surrealists. So you read this book and you're like, well, you mentioned women surrealists. And I think they mentioned Frida Kahlo, but they didn't mention anyone else. And I was like, well, where are, <laughs> where are they? Where are these women? Um, and so that supervisor had put me in touch with Stephen Forster, who was at the University of Birmingham, and then he's in Glasgow now. And we were talking, I mentioned this to him because he was going to be my, my dissertation supervisor. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for you to do that. That sounds like a really interesting topic because he's an expert on Dadaism, but he didn't know much about women's surrealists because at the time, I mean, it's completely, obviously now it's wonderful and so many people, more people are aware. But at the time, it wasn't something that was as big as it is now. And so it went from there, really. So I just became immersed and I started researching and I, I came across Lee Miller and I came across Elsa Schiaparelli. And it was, in a way, it was through Man Ray, obviously, I, be I became aware of Lee Miller through Salvador Dali and his collaborations with Schiap, I became aware of her. Um, but I was extremely fortunate because this was the time when the V&A staged their incredible exhibition, um, Surreal Things, and I don't know if you remember that exhibition. It was about 2007. I think it was 2007. So I was studying women's surrealists at that time. So you walk in this exhibition and you have work by, you have work by Man Ray and Dali. And, but you have like Elsa Schiaparelli's Monkey Boots and you have like work by Mary Oppenheim and you have um, Dorothy Tanning and Leonora Carrington. So it was just like this sensory <laughs> overload. It's like, wow, this is, it felt so right in a way to be, um, to have followed that path and to, you know, and then that, here was this exhibition it was, and in a way it was, it felt like it was justified <laughs> what I had chosen to do. Um, and it just went from there, really. Um, and for my MA, I, I, I focus on uh, Lee Miller, 
Skiap and Merit Oppenheim, but then I expanded that when I did my PhD and I looked at Tamming and I look at, looked at Carrington um, I and I looked at um, Frida and Alice Rahan and um, I just loved doing that and I just loved it so much. Um, and it's just something that I've never been able to <laughs> to leave behind as much as as much as like sometimes I think, oh, you know, I could work on something else for a bit. But I always come back to like these women because to me they're so fascinating and you always um either come across a new artist or a new artwork. Um and I feel lucky that because I have interests outside of surrealism, I'm always I find that I have fun applying maybe women surrealists to things like cinema and to things like um maybe a book or something, or maybe a historic um element or a place or something like that. So I just I just find it's not a world for me that ever diminishes. It just keeps expanding, it keeps getting bigger. And I just love it so much. Yeah, and you see how, well, first of all, I love how you're always bringing in, like you said, new artists, because you've introduced mm. me to artists I hadn't heard of before. Oh, and also, you. like, um, like expanding, like seeing how other artists either reference these artists mm. or how these reference artists reference other artists, like like mm. what you talked about with Maya Darren and David Lynch at Morbid Anatomy yeah. a couple months ago. That was so fun. That was such a lovely pleasure to do. I loved doing that lecture. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's lovely mm. to see how things reference each other so much. And there's so much uh, more in everything than people really realize at first glance. Mm, very much so. Um, and and it's been so nice that sometimes I've had people, I've had people like, you know, as you really kindly just said, um, have said to me now, and I've had other friends or followers on social media say, gosh, I've, I've, I've been introduced to this artist, like, um, I did a talk on Gertrude Abercrombie last year um, for last, the last Tuesday Society. And I had so many people said to me, oh, she's my new favorite artist now. I never heard of this artist before. And now I want to learn everything about her. And it's just so nice to be able to, to do that and to, to talk about these women or to talk about their artworks and their lives or, or maybe like something like with Maya Deren and you can apply it to cinema, her to cinema and just how um, influential she's been to, um, you know, contemporary cinema. Um, and it, it's just nice. It's just nice to get to follow in that direction. And sometimes I think, oh, maybe I'm thinking too outside the box with certain things, certain ideas. Um so which is is fun to because sometimes like I've had people say to me, oh, that's a bit editors say to me, oh, that's a little bit um kind of you know, too niche or non-relevant or just not topical enough to to write about. Um so that's why it's fun to have a substack. <laughs> but these but these ideas that may be deemed a bit too outlandish into a uh, a substack and, and write about them from from that way. Yeah, and your Substack is great. I highly recommend it. I'm a oh, subscriber. And if you ever have a piece that you don't have a home for and you want to put it in the Fenris Wolf that Carl edits, he always oh, accepts you. anything that's about like art and magic and things like that. So awesome. your work is always welcome there. 
Um, and I love that it's niche, but I have also realized recently that I'm also pretty niche because it's like <laughs> psychoanalysis is pretty niche yeah. in like psychology and mental health. And then like you add like magic on top of that and art and it's like a niche, 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 you know? <laughs> but it's also, but as you've seen, it all fits in. It's all like the same, the same thing. And when, you know, people sometimes don't see these connections and we do, and it makes it all the more exciting because so much of surrealism obviously is psychoanalytical and there's then there's the magical element because so many of the women were into into magic and into like witchcraft and witchery so um it's all it's just like a one big melting pot really of ideas and so it's fun to show people how they as you have you know yourself it's it's fun to just connect those threads to people to say well really it's not as as outlandish as you may think it is it does make sense in our heads it makes sense and it definitely does and and it's Mm. just something that's been left out like the women surrealists themselves were left Mm. out of the of art history basically they're just like models and muses right Mm -hmm. uh and historically and then the fact that all of these people were like practicing magic and witchcraft was also (laughs) left out and that's only coming to light in the past few years as well Yes, and it's so great to have people like um, Amy Hale writing about Eiffel Cahoon and and even um, the the geographical nature of surrealism because obviously we think of it as being like a very Parisian movement, but it was not. It was it was very international, and there were people in the UK and there was people in you know in South America, especially for for women. Women seem to be like have this kind of gravitate towards South America. It was it was. Um, very important in that respect um, and there's been work recently on I think Egyptian surrealism and things like that so it's it's just such a huge huge international movement and I think it's been it's been really wonderful like over the last 10, 15 10, 15 years gosh just to see how it's progressed um, so yeah it's been it's been super interesting and it's, it's always thinking oh what's going to be next what's, gonna, <laughs> what's around the corner and um it's, it's I, I know I was really upset because I never got around to seeing the Schiaparelli exhibition in Paris they were, I think it's just finishing or just finished um and I'm kind of berating myself for not seeing that but it's probably <laughs> probably for the best because I wouldn't want to leave it <laughs> um wouldn't want to leave the gallery um but I think I've seen some of her work like in the past and it's just it's just so nice that there's always even these smaller exhibitions because that was at Lea de Coratif, um, just to see like these smaller things popping up, you know, and just see see what comes next. In New York, I don't know, this must have been five years ago or so, they had a, um, or maybe 2018, yeah, that's five years ago now, <laughs> they had an exhibition at the Museum of Sex in New York on Leonor Feeney. Yes, I was amazing show. Did you see it? Mm. Oh, how was it? You would tell me amazing, (laughs) and it has Scabarelli in there too, as well. Uh, I I guess they had some collaborations together, or they did. Yeah, I saw some of the. I was reading the 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 coverage of that exhibition, just going, "Oh my god!" (laughs) You know, how do I get to New York? Um, And I think that's something that I've kind of I need to work on. I think in like this year um and next year and just try and get more get out there more to some more of these exhibitions and just see um 
because I, I kind of get complacent in that respect. And I think because I'm not work, I don't have a, a, you know, a concrete outlet or I don't have, you know, I'm freelance. So kind of you pick and choose what you see. Um, so I think I need to get better at saying, right, this is going to be incredibly rare <laughs> opportunity to see like the Museum of Sex exhibition or the, the one in Paris or whatever and just try and, and get get to them a little bit more. Well, you spend a lot of time in LA. I do. I love LA. Yeah, I was, I was very fortunate to go twice this this. Well, I say this year. It's last year, um, and I kind of fit archive what visits in whenever I go um, because I hadn't been for two years, and I was getting obviously because of the pandemic, and I was very and you know I need to go back to LA, and then. Um, I stayed for about a month each time, but I the, when I went in the spring, I was looking at um, Man Ray's archive in the Getty, wow. and that was wonderful. Um, the Getty is such a beautiful place. Um, it's kind of a jaunt to get to, and I think, you know, Uber rides now have just gone <laughs> astronomically expensive. But um, so I was only there for a couple of days, but at the Getty, but it's just such a beautiful environment to to um to work in. Um and then I was looking at some of Maya Darren's things at the um the Academy Library when I went in the autumn. And then they have some like clippings and, and things. And that's a really beautiful library because um I think it's just nice to get back into like archives and things like that because I I I think it just can sometimes you find things that you know you might find something really small like of relevance and you have all these notes and then you find the one <laughs> the one little paragraph that's that's worthy that you need um and other times I I I kind of hoard notes I don't know if you're the same um I tend to make a lot of notes for various things and even digitally and then sometimes you you put them aside and a couple of years later you're thinking hold on hold on a sec I might have something of, of relevance to that and it's just it's kind of amazing what you accumulate over time and I've I've sometimes found things that haven't been relevant to that particular moment and then months down the line or years down the line I've come back to them so I always think it's fun to kind of have a have your own <laughs> archive of information and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, but I do love LA, and I think it's an undervalued, surrealist spot. Um, so I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to work on that at the minute. Um, so hopefully, eventually, someone will <laughs> take um, take a you know chance on me, and we'll we'll get something going because I think there's there is a a good story there that kind of needs to be told a little bit it's just trying to get more and more information about it yeah what are your ideas about surrealism in LA my a little taste oh well Man Ray, <laughs> lived, Man Ray lived there for 11 years so um I have kind of and like other people sort of lived there for a bit Amaius Nin lived there um and I and obviously Maya Darren filmed meshes in LA. So I think, you know, you're trying to sort of and I have a couple of other artists, you know, within that story. So um I think there is like an, you know, it's just trying to figure out any overlaps or any kind of chronology or any kind of things. And, you know, you think who else visited Man Ray when he was living there? So I know Lee Miller visited and um 
Max Ernst and Dorothy Tamming visited and there was a fame, they had their famous double wedding there. And um, so it's, yeah, there's a story to be told. I tried to put a little bit on the Substack at one point. Um, I think I put a little taster of it on. And so maybe I'll just keep dropping hints <laughs> and see. And then with any joys, people, enough people will be curious enough and then maybe we can, you know, I can get something going <laughs> from there. So I'm just trying to, yeah, just trying to sort of figure out um, because I'm not he's I'm not a fiction writer, and I think sometimes um, you don't want to with with things like that. You sometimes need a narrative element, and because I'm not a fiction writer, and I don't want to put you know words in people's mouths and things like that, or feelings, and, and give them certain emotions that they maybe didn't have at that time. It's it's trying to construct a story that's compelling and narrative but without any without falsifying any any information so hopefully we'll get there eventually <laughs> absolutely I'm sure you will you. you just had gave me the idea that that could be kind of fun to have like a fiction story of all these different surrealists yeah. and their adventures <laughs> yeah that would be fun I'm surprised there were I think there's there's been like historical fiction fan fiction yeah there should be fan fiction awesome someone should do that that's a great idea mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I want to I of course you don't need to write too much fiction about them because they had such amazing lives oh, um sure. and you mentioned like Mexico Central and South America as being such hot spots and it's yeah. so true. Like there's so many great artists that came out of there or that moved mm. there uh, during yeah. the war. And I love the idea of like Jodorowsky and Leonora Carrington together and things like yes. that. Yeah, I might be talking about that on another podcast in a couple of months. So that would be that kind of be fun. So <laughs> I'm doing a film centric podcast in a few months so yeah, I like I'm gonna be plunging into that a little bit so Ooh, tune in for that yeah that will be fun yeah Very I, think nice. it, I think it's the supporting characters podcast so that'll be we, we're not recording it until about until late May I think or mid to late May so that that will be it's nice that you brought that up so I can <laughs> promote that, that that we haven't even recorded yet there's definitely interest yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so so many um, relationships. They all had so many different kind of inter intertwining relationships. Um, yes. What was that book that I read? That um... the Middleton Muse, that one. Yes, that's What's the that one. one. Oh, cool. yeah, that one's a great book. That that's such a good book. Yeah. And she talks more about like the relationships between the different yeah. women, like Leonore Feeney and Leonore Carrington, and things like that. Yeah, and we got Valentine Penrose in that as well, I think. Yeah, so those are really nice kind of overlap because they were, I think I think there's always that thing of like women are in competition with each other and you know, women like obviously we we have arguments with the, with our friends and things like that, but I think this group of women like really were friends and they had some great collaborations, they were really good friendships. Um so and I think it's just it's nice to show like these kind of dynamics between them and I think that was such a really interesting ideas and like the correspondence and things like that it's, it's just so insightful and so you know unique really because I you know it's, it's one of these books that you think gosh this is so smart <laughs> it's such a great idea. 
Yeah, and it also shows so much like how like the one specific author could just get really into something yeah. and produce so much work about it that becomes oh, so yeah. important to later later yeah. authors, you know. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's always that thing, it's as we as we said earlier, there's you know, you can work on a discipline, but you can you can branch out in so many different directions. And sometimes the you know not I don't even want to say the obvious choices but the things that you don't think about and, you, and then someone will write a book on it and you think gosh this is so smart I wouldn't have, wouldn't have considered this um and yeah she's she's her her range of books are just all fantastic and <laughs> she's yeah just everything she writes is just it's um I mean it's been a really good you know as a as a scholars when I was doing my PhD it's incredibly useful just really great reference her a lot <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and I think mm. these tropes about women like that were so competitive with each other and all these things it all just comes from like male point of view of, of like in a male dominated society <laughs> yeah. where women probably at some point and probably still in some places and ways had to be kind of competitive for mm. survival you know it's oh, like yeah. I'm dependent on some man to like think I'm pretty and like yeah. make sure I don't you know mm. I get to eat you know yeah. <laughs> and so of course yeah. I'm going to try to like edge out other people that could could get that position because yeah. I need to survive you know yeah. Yeah, and I think as well, <laughs> it's just one of these things and I don't think I think in a way I feel it's like in some respect I feel guilty for like coming to women's surrealists through men but at the same time it was like at the time there was how else would you get there exactly and at the time, <laughs> Another it, info. yeah and especially at the time I think it's easier now because there's there's much more and there's and Katie Hessel has that incredible podcast the great women artists and Ooh. she's she um yeah if you look at her instagram her instagram i remember when she kind of started the instagram and it, she's written a best-selling book now about women artists um and saying how it was all men in the gallery and like no women and like a lot of people they can't name five women artists and she just wanted to like change that um but and at the time, I think it used to be like that. And I think now it's it's changing, thank goodness. It's because it's been so long overdue. But, and especially like when you look at certain, um, you know, things about women's realists, a lot of the times it was a case of, you know, they always talk about in some books, they were, you know, Picasso was there with Dora Maar. Or, and then it's like, obviously Dora Maar got that reputation for being, kind of you know they always said she was insane but she I mean she she wasn't like the most probably stable person but if you were with Picasso I'm sorry but you know he he kind of you know it's Picasso at the end of the day he obviously he, he you know had a, had a lot to do with that um and Dora Maar was brilliant and so because of Dora Maar we have you know all the you know all or most of the photographs of Picasso painting Guernica but that wasn't told at a, a specific point it was just here's Picasso's painting Guernica well he was the photographer it was Dora Maar <laughs> so um it's even things like that that kind of even though they don't seem significant um over time they build up they build up they build up and then a woman's a woman's name will be left off and then you're like well he was he was the photographer <laughs> and um but I think Dora Maar was brilliant and I just think obviously Picasso kind of didn't do anything for her image at the time but she was 
she was a phenomenal talent and it's just you know very tragic story so um but she was great she was amazing she was an amazing artist um so there's just so many like, interesting people and interesting like characters and um you know you know relationships and and friendships and things like that but again it's like you know unfortunately sometimes we have to come to these women to be men so that's we've not all been written from this dominant male point of view yeah like oh of course she's a hysterical woman you know this is like it's like so typical <laughs> you know it's not the most flattering and it's not it didn't do you know much for her legacy but you know I think people are no longer thinking of her because of that because of that painting and they think of Dora Ma as a photographer and as a painter rather than that hysteric that Picasso painting her painted her as so you know because her work was tremendous her absolute her photography work is mind-blowing so you know incredible yeah, I just recently watched this movie too. It's not surrealist, but it's similar with uh, Nicole Kidman and I think it was Clive Owen playing uh, Ernest Hemingway and Martha Gellhorn. Oh, wow. And yeah, it was really good. I really liked it. I had had it in my like yeah. little saved for a long time. Um, and they did the same thing to her. Like it, the, it, the movie seems like it's, it comes from like a book that she must have written or something. It came, it's like her story. Um, but it's like uh, housed in like her being interviewed later in her life. And, you know, at the end of her life, they they have to bring up, they're like, oh, you're one of the most like famous world foot, uh, war photographers of all time. You've like photographed, you know, 50 years of different conflicts. Um, but, you know, tell us about Ernest Hemingway yeah. and, like, and like what you, you know, what you owe to him for like the bump he gave you in your career kind of thing. You know, it's just like... Yeah, you wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't have that. Like, if if it was a Hemingway biopic, he wouldn't. They wouldn't have asked him the same question. They wouldn't That's, probably even mention no, him, except no. for like, oh, he married this woman. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh, I'm so curious about the Lee Miller biopic because you know they're making the Lee Miller biopic with uh, Kate Winslet, and uh, yeah, and it's. I think the <laughs> estate. I think it's with the estate are like back to it, and I think. I'm pretty sure they're they're involved in some capacity. Um, Alexander Skarsgård is playing uh, Sir Roland Penrose. Wow, very interesting. Um, which I'm I'm looking forward to that because um, he had some proclivities. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Um, is that that picture that you recently posted of Skarsgård? Oh, the one it... yesterday. Yeah. No, that okay. they should include that. They should include that because you know there's some photos. Yeah, <laughs> they they should definitely. I was you know as you said that just now. I was thinking yeah, no that one was from um, Infinity Pool. It's the mm. Brandon Cronenberg film. Um, okay, Brandon Cronenberg's son, and it hasn't come out yet. I think it premiered yesterday at Sundance. Um, okay, so I think he's doing some very interesting kind of roles at the minute. But I'm looking, I'm intrigued by this, the Lee Miller film, because I, I think it's focusing on her war photography. Um, and I think I'm not sure, you're, cur- you're always curious when um, an estate backs a project, how much they're going to reveal about a person's life, um, how much of it's going to be on the art, how much is going to be on the on 
you know, on the the life and how much is going to kind of be glossed over a little bit. Um, so I'm intrigued, whatever they include. So, um, yeah, you, you, I'm, I, I don't think they'll shy away from certain things, but some things you just kind of wonder, you wonder, because obviously they want to preserve, they want to promote a legacy and they want to keep a legacy alive, but maybe they don't want, you know, they don't want like everything coming out, oh, you know, they don't want everything coming out in the open, but you're just always kind of wondering. <laughs> I'm just very curious about that. So, yeah, and see what they do include. Yes, yeah. Because I know the someone's the person's been cast as her kind of her assist because she had the like she worked with another photographer during the war. Um, I forget his surname was is a younger photographer, David something. I I'm really bad with surnames and I'm pretty sure they had a relationship so I'm curious if they go you know they go along that they reveal that or if he'll just be there as her kind of assistant is that the person in the picture with her when she's like at the bunker like at like Hitler's bunker yeah, and it's like yeah. her and this other person yeah I'm pretty sure yeah he took I'm pretty sure he took the photo in her when she was in Hitler's bath as well, she made he made oh, yeah, that yeah. one. Um, so yeah, they they were obviously they they were together a lot. So I'm just I'm kind of curious how much is told. How salacious it will be. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it'll be very salacious, but I mean, you just wonder. You always hopefully they wonder. give us a little. Because <laughs> I think we're just we just we you know we want the truth because <laughs> you know it's just one of those things. So. What do you think about, I know that they do these like biopics that are like totally uh, imaginary, like this one that came out on Marilyn Monroe recently, Yeah, where they just like make up stories about her. What yeah. do you think about that? I watched that and I mean, it's like with Marilyn, you just think I'd rather probably watch Gentleman for Blondes again. Or yeah, like, just watch yeah, your films. So yeah. funny, that's just like one of the best like feel goods, you know, just you know bubbly you know oh it's fantastic I just love that film it's just a joy and even you know how to marry a millionaire something like that I think I would rather watch both of those back to back than <laughs> do blondes again but I watched I I went to see Babylon yesterday oh how was that ever. I really liked it I know that's been very divisive um I really enjoyed it I had a really good time <laughs> I I really enjoyed it I know it's um some people have really hated it and I mean for a film that's really sold itself on being like a, a debauched depiction of of the you know of early Hollywood it's not that debauched I've got to say um, and there's only maybe the earlier scenes show that maybe a bit of debau debauchery but it's it's not kind of you know it, it was good I had a I had a great time I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed it, and I probably probably in the minority was saying that, but a lot of people I know loved it as well. 
I'm going, my movies, my movie uh, criticism has definitely like gone down, like much less critical <laughs> because I used to not yeah. really go to many movies, but I also like yeah. lived in New York where there, you could go to everything. So yeah. I would just go, like I lived, I, my office was right near Film Forum. Oh, so wow. I would like go to Film nice. Forum, like if I had a break during lunch or like after work or something. Yeah. So I was always seeing like these really great quality films. But now that I live in this little town, I'll basically mm-hmm. watch whatever comes yeah. to our theater because it's like, that's what's here. I mean, I won't yeah. watch like a Swedish children's cartoon, you know? yeah. <laughs> but like last night we went to see, here it's called Operation Fortune. It's like the Guy Ritchie movie with Aubrey Plaza. Um, yeah, We went and saw that last night, like probably before I wouldn't have bothered to see that, yeah. but it's like, it's here and it's like a regular yeah. movie. I'll go watch it and I'm going to go watch this one with Tom Hanks called A Man Called Otto, which is based on a Swedish movie that was based on a Swedish book called A Man Called Ove. And I saw the Swedish version. So I'll go see what, you know, Tom Hanks did with that. And Babylon's coming next week. Mm. So I'll go see that too, uh, for sure. I think think that's why I love LA so much because of the rec theatres and there's always something, if you've got like an afternoon or you think, oh, I haven't got anything, I'm not seeing like any friends tonight, oh, I'll go to the movies or or whatever. And because of, I mean, so many theatres now in LA even are closing down and and things, but you can go to the, the, you know, the Lost Feliz 3 or you can go to New Beverly or or even even like there's so many like AMC cinemas, like which I know is a franchise, but then they're so scattered or you can go to a different chain or but um Birmingham because I I live it I live in Birmingham in the UK and that's we have a couple of like good independents um and so we're you know trying to to get like I think that the um one of my local my one of my independents is is really working to get like more quality <laughs> film in Birmingham um because even something like which is strange even the chains sometimes they don't show certain films or they'll show like something like Babylon for maybe a week and then not show it again and I don't know if it depends on the box office numbers in the states I just don't know how it works out but Birmingham isn't like London in terms of of, of uh, cinema either but you know can only work working on it and so yeah work with what you got I'm glad we have a cinema at all and it's like literally like two blocks from my house I just like walk like three minutes and like yesterday there was no one else there so it's just like a private cinema and it's a cool old one with like a neon sign and it's like really like a cute old cinema like when you go to LA you can go to like real old school cinemas those are fun yeah I think that I think because it was like, well, yes, I went to see Babylon. I was probably one of like seven, eight people. I went at 10 a.m. on the Sunday because I was like, well, no one's going to be there. <laughs> I'll go with like, I don't want to like have to deal with, but I had to go into town to go. And and it's like, oh, I don't really want to go into town <laughs> on a Sunday morning. But It's hard to know. leave home. <laughs> yeah, and I was cold and it was frosty and it was like, oh. But then I thought <laughs> if I don't go at 10 a.m. on a Sunday for a three-hour film, I'm not going to probably be bothered I, I get really complacent because obviously I have to like get a you know drive to you know wherever it is on the night and I thought I can't be if it, if I want to see Babylon on the night I was like well I can't be bothered to get you know you I have get, to drive home uh, at 11 get, o'clock get, yeah it's like for three hours no I'll go on a Sunday <laughs> I'll just do that I'll be back you know by early afternoon it, it, sort, it sorts me out and then I'll be good for the week <laughs> I feel like I've done something because you know especially because it's been cold but I'm glad I went I enjoyed that 
And I saw a preview of a couple of weeks ago, the um my reps and I saw the a preview of the um the Nan Golden one or the Beauty and the Blood. Oh, cool. So I don't know if you'll get in that. And that one is incredible. We That's won't get such, that. <laughs> no, it's an incredible <laughs> film, incredible documentary. So about her her life and her art and her kind of activism to take down the Sackler family who are obviously owners of Purdue Pharma and um, responsible for the opioid crisis. Um, so it's extraordinary documentary, absolutely phenomenal. So um, I think it should be maybe on a streaming platform at some point. So yeah, we'll find it that way where we can always get the DVD. We, we order DVDs still. Because, yeah. you know, people say that mm-hmm. everything's on streaming, but it's not. Like Marilyn cool. Monroe, for example. Yeah. Like, you have to buy them if mm-hmm. you want to buy them or rent them. You might as well just get the box set and then you just have them. Exactly. And it's, it's you can't even trust streaming for um, for even, like, being there. Because sometimes you want to watch something and you think, oh, I'll watch that in a couple of days or a week. And then it goes and you think, well... Or it's not available in your region is the thing we deal with, where you can see it there, but they won't let you watch it. Yes, I hate that. Give it to me. Yeah, and it's so annoying because it's like, if we need, I always think this, I think, well, if I need a book for something, if I need like a book for an artist or something, I will try and buy it because there's no guarantee that I'll be able to find it on loan or something. So... I just draw, sometimes I just draw eBay for these out of print books. And I think we're getting the same way now with certain films because I think a lot of distributors are doing a good job of like bringing, re-releasing like films that maybe were less difficult to get hold on or were, were out of circulation for so long. But, you know, I think eBay can be good for, sometimes you think I need a certain art book and... I think, you know, so you're troll eBay and you might find one or I think we're getting like that with DVDs as well. So, um, yeah, it's all just all the media and <laughs> just surround ourselves with, with all the media. But um, I, I talk, sorry. What were you going to say? I was going to say talk, another good film. I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen the Diana Arbus? Um, like, no. It's inspired. It's called Fur called a portrait arbus a portrait in fur it's nicole kidman wow playing, um it's it's really interesting because it's not like biograph it's not a straightforward biopic but it's inspired by and by diane arbus and it's really well done really well done and it uses her imagery really beautifully um Oh yeah, I've seen this movie like the over the front, but I didn't know it had anything to do with Diane Arbus. How cool! Mm. Yes, that's really good. That's really good. And I think I'm going to watch that. Yeah, I think it's nice when you have artist biographies, maybe like that, because you're not sort of thinking, no, they got that wrong, or they got that wrong, or they haven't included that. It's just, um, I think it's very well done. I think it's really well done, and it's just so great to look at and very clever. I'm going to check that out. And as far as uh, Hollywood debauchery, I know we (laughs) talked about this before because you just recently got his book, but people should just go to Scotty Bowers because Scotty Bowers is the best (laughs) for old Hollywood debauchery. Mm, (laughs) 
and I already ranted to you about how I'm mad at yeah. Ryan Murphy for ruining Scotty's story in his Hollywood show. Yeah, yeah. I, Scotty was not yeah. ashamed to be a sex worker. He was super into being a sex worker. Oh, yeah. He was some proud. Of, <laughs> some of the stuff, though, in his book, he was just like, okay, you know, especially when he was younger, some of the, the stuff that occurred during his childhood, you're like, oh, yeah. my gosh, that wasn't, you know, a, you know, nice to see. But he just kind of, everything like he writes he like he just water off a duck's back he it's like matter seemed, of fact about it yeah, yeah. it's incredible <laughs> to have to just see someone I mean I felt sorry for his wife his obviously his partner his long-term partner because you think you know he, he wasn't he treated her very well but then he's like has this whole separate life and um I, I felt sorry for her because you're thinking did she really you know put up with this because they were they were together for like how long 60 years or something but they weren't together but they were together but he literally just everyone he takes down not takes down but you know reveals a lot about everybody in Hollywood and um yeah it was just super interesting but I heard because I was googling something about him and I think Seth isn't Seth Rogen and his right and I forget his writing partner's name. Apparently they they've been hired by um which director to do a film on Scotty Bowers. Oh really? Yeah. Great. Um so the documentary but, is great. Yeah, I have to I'll have to read that. I think maybe I, they I, also saw Ryan Murphy's Hollywood and were like, no, 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 that's not how it went down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm curious to watch Hollywood now just because to see how kind of bad it was. Yeah, it started off really good. The first like two episodes, I was like, yeah, yeah they have Scotty in the gas station and then people coming and getting yeah. hooked up and everything. And yeah. it's great. And I was like, oh, he's going to tell this story. And then yeah. it just derails into this whole like fantasy that Ryan Murphy had about how like one character is a black woman, one character is a Filip half Filipino person, you know, and there's like, like they have somebody of like every kind of diversity. Um, mm -hmm. And then they all get together and like make their first movie and it was an Oscar <laughs> it's like this is not even close to reality and it's yeah. like so not close to reality that's not even nice to like pretend yeah. that this is like a possibility you know what yeah. I mean it's just like yeah. it's like in like the Hollywood of like the 1940s you know you're gonna have like yeah. someone of every stripe like yeah make a movie together and they win an Oscar and they all have a great life you know like that's not yeah. what happened like let's yeah. not whitewash Hollywood like that yeah. Ryan Murphy yeah. come on yeah. much yeah. much more effective to actually tell people's real stories and then well, like hope the industry changes as it seems to be you know well <laughs> he always has to kind of <laughs> you know do something about it. like um yeah he has his fingers and on all these kind of like did you watch dharma did you watch i version? couldn't watch it no. i tried it i tried to start it too but i was just like yeah. i can't yeah i think we yeah we did speak about this because i i watched it all i thought it was I thought it was one of the best things Ryan Murphy's done, but I know okay. that's insane. Maybe I'll maybe I'll watch yeah. that too then. Yeah, I think that I think I think obviously because he's so Ryan Murphy is just so such a controversial um, you know, producer or, or director or whatever he puts out, I think always has that element of why is he doing this? <laughs> why is he doing this thing about this person or or that person? Um but out of his work, I think that was you know well done obviously it wasn't he shouldn't have gone ahead without the family's 
you know, families didn't, you know, didn't give the go ahead and he went ahead and made it anyway, which um, wasn't great. Um, so I think he's always going to be some kind of problematic. Yeah, I've also only watched like the first, I watched the first two American Horror Stories, which I liked. Yeah. And then I think whenever the Coven one came out, I watched like yeah. part of it. And it's just like, he just has too many like tropes. Like okay. this is wishes. We're going to take Marie Laveau and she's going to be like this. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know. He like take he takes things that I should like, like things that I like. In, and then he like turns them into something that I ha- don't like, that I just like hate what <laughs> yeah. you're doing with it. You know, like he also did that to Anton LaVey. It just like made him this like crazy, like Satanist person that like jumped down. I was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's just like, that's not really how he was. And that's yeah. fine. I understand it's like a stereotype, but like, mm-hmm. actually that's someone's dad and like yeah. someone's husband. And like those people are alive and like, mm-hmm. they're kind of tired of their like family member being painted in this like ridiculous way, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. I I started I think I started Hotel I think I started American Horror Story Hotel because I'm just because obviously I'm very interested in the, like the history of the Cecil Hotel um and I start and obviously I was like oh my gosh the uh, you know he's kind of recreated the interior and everything um and I I think I watched a couple of episodes and then I think I forgot <laughs> to carry on <laughs> so um, again uh, again yeah. <laughs> the best review <laughs> yeah I was I was curious about it because I was like well what's he going to do with the Cecil Hotel but um um so yeah did you ever watch um Angel the spin-off from Buffy mm-hmm. because you remember that gorgeous hotel they had in Angel the Hyper- was it the Hyperion that was based on the Cecil Hotel apparently and I loved that I only found that out a few years ago and I was like oh my gosh because that I was obsessed with that hotel <laughs> so um, the one in Angel and then obviously I later learned about the, <laughs> the Cecil Hotel um so yeah I think it's sometimes I, I you know you see all these these elements of history and I think you try and I think he, like I'm not saying like I think he gets I think I don't really think like I have a similar process to Ryan Murphy in that sometimes I think, oh, it'd be interesting to base an idea around that. But I think I try and do it in a route in fact. And I think Ryan Murphy is like the complete opposite end of the of the spectrum in that respect. Because sometimes I think, oh, I'd like, I'm sure, you know, in like terms of Hollywood and you think, oh, which celebrities mixed with the surrealists or something? And I'm surprised he hasn't done something like that in all honesty or taken an artist's life and, and run with it because you think where else is there for him to go? He's yeah, he's Hollywood. kind of like clickbait. He yeah. like takes all these like names and things yeah. that people would like and be like, oh yeah, I like that. Click, click, I'll click on it. Mm. And then he just turns into whatever he wants. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no one's safe from him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be interesting because I know he's going to do two more series of, um, you know, of the serial killers. So he's got another two mapped out. But after that, but I knows? know some people just love him, I like know. love everything that he puts out. Yeah, he's he's quickly become my most my least favorite thing to come out of this like <laughs> yeah. era. I think yeah. I liked a few things that he that he saw that he did that I didn't realize he did like. I watched like the O.J. Simpson trial thing that he did. Mm. And so then I and I really like Sarah Paulson. She's a great yeah. actress. I would watch things with her in it. But then I just started realizing like all these things are the same person. This yeah. is like the same person putting out all of this stuff. So much stuff. I think the O.J. thing. I forgot he did the O.J. thing. 
but um, I think the writing though was very good on that and I think sometimes it's when it you anchor it to truth rather than just we're not gonna you know bother too much with truth and just go on a fantastical kind yeah because this aesthetics could be interesting it kind of makes yeah. things look like comic booky or something you know like yeah. the ratchet aesthetics and stuff mm. it's like it could it could have interesting aesthetics and stuff but I guess yeah he just he just depends too many too much on like tropes and stereotypes of the things yeah. instead of uh making it yeah more fleshed mm. out and more dynamic things aren't they're not super dynamic mm. I understand sometimes like when people say especially like Babylon and it has a lot of people in like a lot of my friends are old Hollywood historian type people and they they and especially with something like Blonde and people get very you know um vocal about how it was you know wrong or what was and they get you know they're very you know and I you know passionate about how things were wrong for certain reasons or say well that didn't happen that didn't happen it's a bit like you know, with the depiction of Marilyn or, or certain things about Hollywood in, in Babylon. And I understand that because I think if they were to make like a biography of one of like the women I work on or something, or if they were to do like a Ryan Murphy version of like something, <laughs> I would just probably Ryan go, Murphy no. does Leonora Carrington. Yeah, or like does Leonor <laughs> Feeney. be fun. No, because I would go, you know, completely, you know, mad and just just be so I can understand why um sometimes certain things do have a, a, a backlash to them in in terms of cinema and in terms of you know history because I I know they call it poetic license or whatever and because you know there's various sides of every story but I think at the end of the day you're like no that was wrong <laughs> or whatever but um yeah or like the Freud these guys made a Freud show for Netflix but see I love that and that was like completely ridiculous but maybe because it was like so ridiculous that is like obviously not based on Freud's life yeah. I mean maybe like little elements like they took like a picture of his couch or something but otherwise it was just like total fan fiction but that's okay when that was like, fun when it's like you know it's kind of separate and it's fun but I think it's when it's it's kind of purporting to be oh no this actually you know and you're like no it didn't dude <laughs> so but um yeah I try and I think that's the thing sometimes I've I've you know try and watch things now and try and think okay don't sort of form any opinions till I've seen the thing or whatever it was a bit like with blondes or and this is why I'm trying to stay very neutral for the for the Lee Miller biopic whenever it comes out because I'm very curious um so I'm just trying to not have like blinkers up before I yeah form your own opinion when you've seen it I definitely try to do that too and I usually see things like way later you Same, you're on you're yeah. on top of the pulse of things but me it's like if if i remember about it like several years later then i'll like watch something mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. if something has like a lot of hype i usually just avoid it and then if thought, it yeah. pops up later then it's like okay it has some sort of longevity that it's like popped up again and yeah. then i can see how i feel about it um yeah and that's what that's why i stopped watching the jeffrey dahmer thing that he did was because mm-hmm. he had the satanic bible on the on the end table oh, yes, of the couch yeah. in yeah. dahmer's house yeah. and it's like you know i'm sure that dahmer was reading like the bible bible like the christian yes. bible you know yeah. <laughs> like leave, leave anton alone yeah <laughs> maybe yeah enough, maybe, enough. yes <laughs> i think he just wants to put him into everything mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah because it's so like creepy. Ooh, that's creepy. Yeah. It's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> 
I know. The Christian, the Christians are known pedophiles. Not all Christians, mm. obviously, but the church, you know. Mm. So why don't you put why don't you put one of those there? Because I think it's he probably doesn't want a lawsuit, does he? Probably <laughs> <laughs> that's why. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to mention that we didn't get to? I don't know. I think we we've kind of yeah we've talked about <laughs> yeah um I think no I think well we're doing I'm doing a, a lecture aren't I more anatomy in a couple of weeks of um, mm-hmm. February nineteenth um, yeah Valentine Penrose yeah and she was um she's a fun one because she was um an artist and she was a collagist and she was a writer and a poet and she wrote like a historical novel slash slash uh, biography on Elizabeth Bathory, which is one of the kind of few texts we have on, on Bathory, who is so interesting. Um, and I came to her years ago because she was the female Bladley Impaler. <laughs> and I was like, wow, because I was obsessed with vampires. Like, you know, I'm an Anne, I was an Anne Rice teen. I still love and rice books so <laughs> I can't remember if I came to that book when I was doing surrealism or, or before I think it was around the same time I was and it's just really interesting and she was she was very involved in magic um as well Valentine 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 was um so um she's just a really interesting figure so I think it'll be re- really interesting to to talk about her and just to maybe um shed some light because she's kind of an under underspoken about surrealist um she was married actually to to um Rodan Penrose who was who went on to marry Lee Miller um and she was good friends with Lee Miller so and kind of she Roland not you know cared for her until she died and then you know he did the same for Lee and when she died so you know they were kind of you know a, a good kind of they were all good friends um so yeah I'm looking forward to to speaking about her for for an audience soon yeah and Elizabeth Bathway of course yeah so she's yeah she's a fun one and we can get to some sort of kind of some good sort of combined surrealism with horror and like and some magic and stuff and see where it takes us yeah, and at some point we'll have a part two of the David Lynch and Maya Darren because yeah. you and Mary Wilde did that at Morbid Anatomy in mm. November and it was mm. such a hit that they have asked you to come back for a part two. Yes, so we'll so. plan that either later in the spring or in the summer or something. Definitely. That will be really fun because that was just such a joy to do. And it was just so nice working with Mary on that one. And uh, Yeah, I had to introduce you too. Yeah, yeah it was really <laughs> great. Thank you for that. Yeah, I'm very grateful that we had such a good time. So yeah, looking, looking, yeah, looking forward to doing that. Have to start to get, yeah, plotting. <laughs> Good. Well, so I'll see you on February nineteenth. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Vanessa. Thank you for listening to Rendering Unconscious. You've just heard a discussion with Dr. Sabina Stent. For more, subscribe to her Substack and visit her website, sabinastent.com. And join us Sunday, February 19th at Morbid Anatomy Museum for The Bloody Countess, Valentine Penrose, 
Elizabeth Battery, and Sanguinous Surrealism, a live online lecture with Dr. Sabina Sent, myself, and Carl Abrahamson. For tickets and more information, visit morbidanatomy.org or psychartcult.org. Links can be found in the text accompanying this episode at the main website, renderingunconscious.org. The soundtrack of fitting exploration of cut-up sound collage techniques providing an ethereal soundscape. Sexuality is fluid. Sexuality and death. Create universes of your own. 